welcome to Offwatch, a podcast by the Ocean Race. This week, it's the turn of Charles Cordrelia, the winning skipper from the last edition of the race. He took some time out from his holiday to talk me through what those final few miles in the race felt like, plus what it meant to him to build a team that ultimately could lift the trophy at the end of nine months. The last edition of the race was historic. With three teams joint on points starting a 1,000 nautical mile final leg in a winner-takes-all situation that would settle nine months of racing. For the crews, it was yet one more test in keeping your nerves under control and your concentration laser-focused. For the Chinese Dongfeng race team, winning would be the crowning achievement in a campaign which sought to take offshore sailing to Asia and put Chinese sailors at the heart of the race. Their skipper, Charles Cordrelia, had already achieved so much. Two TJV victories to his name, plus a win in the Solitaire de Figaro, and not to mention already being a winner in the ocean race back with Group Armour 4. Uh, Charles, thank you very much. I've been really looking forward to this interview, and there's so much that I want to talk to you about, but what I want to do is just jump straight to that moment where you're about to start that final leg in the last edition of the race. And the question that comes to my mind is, with the, with the win that you had with Groupama, it was as a sailor, just part of the crew. So you didn't have the stresses that come with being a skipper and being a leader. For that final leg, with such an important do or die decision, was there a part of you that wished maybe somebody else could be skipper for that final leg? Oh, no, uh, definitely not, uh, because um, I think I was uh, so lucky to be a skipper of the of this team uh, for two editions. And uh, no, no, I was really focused and I was only stressed by the fact that uh, I, f- I really thought we were the best team and we could win and we didn't succeed since the start of the race to win just a leg and I say it's not possible but I, I had the feeling that it's going to happen I say it's it's impossible we finish this race without winning a leg and so this one would be perfect and uh, and uh, no I was not so much stressed actually because I, I think we had nothing to lose I mean we are just have to fight we don't have to to watch at the points, there was only one one thing to do is to put the two both behind us, and uh, and uh, I think the team was really ready and very frustrated from the past of the of the race. So and uh, we had a meeting the night before, I think, and few people speak. And I remember from a speech from one of the youngest seller uh, of the board was Jack Butel, and. Uh, and he did a very fantastic speech, and he is, and he really trust we could win. And I think uh, everybody trusts each other to win with his leg, and that's what we did. <laughs> it's really interesting that you mentioned that speech because I've seen maybe only part of that speech, a few clips that you guys have released for the next leg. I think it's really to not have any regret, Charles. You you know, I know you're good enough to win. I know you're you're the best guy I've sailed with. 100%. I know you've 
got it in you to do it and Pascal as well, you're one of the best navigators I've sailed with. I know you can do it. I know we can all do it. Caroline, you're an amazing trimmer. Daryl, you're an amazing driver. Kevin, you're terrible. Okay. But, you know. <laughs> How much in the days just before the start of that final leg how much did you see the rest of your crew preparing and trying to motivate each other? You, you know, you must have been quite proud as to how they were also very focused. Like you say, one job, two boats must be behind us. Yeah, I think what we did well, and uh, maybe that's why we won, is that we had a, it was not only the sailing team, it was all the people around us and uh and everybody was pushing us because, of, of course, the sailors are exhausted and we, we had just a short stopover. So we focused on uh, resting a maximum. And uh, then we thought it was a good time to, to spend some time together and to have this speech together and uh, that everybody speak and say what he, what he wants to say. And, uh, but, yeah, I think the difference was how we prepare this leg. I think... All the, it was a short leg, or maybe the other team did not prepare as well as us the navigation and all the details. And I think from the start until the end, we never changed. We were always 100%, 100%. And I feel, I already felt on the last edition that at the last, on the last leg, people are exhausted and don't prepare it as well. And why we went off unsure? It was only because we spent hours, enfin, not us, Marcel Ventries and the and the guy who was in the in the performance team spent hours to to think about this uh, this passage onshore, and I think some of the team didn't work enough and didn't think about imagine we could pass there because it was very narrow, and uh, I, for us it was an obvious choice. And when we spoke to the other team, we say some of them say I didn't watch. I think it was impossible to pass. I did, for me it was too long or they didn't work on this. And I think that's what makes the difference. It's all the details. Uh, everybody has worked on each stopover. And when we start the leg, we always have a very good boat. We always arrive in a good shape uh, because we had good food, because we had good physical training. And that's what makes the difference for me because, uh, because we prepare it as all the leg. We spend so much time for only two days of uh, racing. Let's talk then about that preparation because you mentioned Marcel von Triest, and this is a you know he's a big name in the ocean race. He's done uh, five editions, I think, as a sailor, and then he's most seen now behind uh, onshore doing the navigation. Um, I I want to pick your brains about this decision to go inshore, to go off. First of all, as you guys were looking at it. How obvious to you was the plan? Was it clear we have to go inshore 100%? Before we start, it was our, our first choice to go inshore. And we had two, two reasons. And uh, that's very funny because we, we did a mistake on the leg going to, um, from Newport to, um, to Cardiff, I think. And... Uh, I think Marcel's idea was we go south, like the winning team. And we didn't really maybe spend enough time to speak about the option. And it was not very clear. 
And then I remember that Pascal say on this leg, he say, okay, Marcel, if you are on board, where are you going? And he say, I will go on shore. Okay, I want a clear answer. So he, thank you, Marcel. And why we go, and we, we know why. We are, it was really, Marcel is very interesting because he explained you and he give you why you go on shore, why you go offshore. And he said, for me, the risk is to go out offshore for sure. You have less wind and you finish done with. So when we arrived with Pascal, we were just before we take the decision, we were fighting with uh, Mapre, like mattressing. And uh, suddenly uh, comes a choice. And for us, since the morning, it was obvious. We didn't spend so much time to, are we going onshore, offshore? Okay, nothing changed. Less wind out offshore. And a big downwind to go to finish, to go to the finishing line if you go offshore. And Pascal was absolutely sure that uh, Mapre was going with us. For us, it was so obvious we go there that we didn't imagine the people will not follow us. And it was a big surprise. And I was not surprised. I, I told him, I, I think they are not coming. I'm pretty sure they are not coming. He said, it's not possible. Why they don't come? So for us, it was, uh, and we did some routing, and it was also still good to go onshore and always good onshore. And for us, the risk was, Offshore. It was not very clear because the difference between the two options was very small, but the risk was offshore. You you talk a lot about the people that you have on board your team, and you're very you seem very modest as a skipper. You're always saying, you know, I'm not the best skipper, but I have the best team. Let's just talk about Pascal Badigari, because he had at that moment obviously a lot of stress on his shoulders. You know him very well. What is what was he like? What was his behavior like in those final in that final second half of that leg? Is he one of those people that keeps it in his own mind or does his stress come out? No, not really. He was not um he was very focused and very concentrated and uh, he uh, he was trying to as as he used to do uh, as a single on sailor, he liked to go fast. I mean, he's, he's very famous to go fast also. He's not only a good navigator. He's a fantastic trimmer and driver. And he was really focused to to push the boat at the maximum because uh, he know that the difference will be small. And he was quite very quiet, actually, uh, from what I remember. And maybe probably a bit stressed because he, he know he, the, the ley line was not good and uh, we lost a, a bit of time and he was scared. We, we, we we lost because of that, but I, he has been very, very quiet, actually. And then, like all of you, when you guys cross the finish line, you are ahead. It It is only small, but you cross the finish line. Suddenly, we see you all smiling and everything. Pascal's got tears in his eyes. Um, what, what did you, when you realise, when the stress goes, ah, we've won, I'm the skipper, I've led this team, my team here, we've all won together. What did you say to your team at that point? I think we, we shout a lot. And uh, <laughs> no, I think I went to Pascal and I say that we, we did it. And uh, we were just, I think, crying together. And I could feel uh, how, how much, I could feel in everybody uh, how important this, this campaign was. And uh, all the all the sacrifice they did for with the family with their personal life to and uh, to be to be one hundred percent committed to this this team and um, yeah I think we were just 
all proud of what we did together. And uh, I think everybody thought about all the job. It was a long campaign. It was a long race. It was a, probably the toughest race we will have because now it's not one design anymore. And I'm not sure we, one day again we will have a finish like that. So, But we know also we were very proud because we know this, this race will be one of the race because the finish with three boats on the, in the same pot, nobody could imagine it would happen. I mean, it was unbelievable. Do, does that make it a little bit... Um more more special in the way that um, I'm not going to want to take anything away from Sir Peter Blake. Steinlager 2 wins everything. Group Armour 4, you guys, I think, won with maybe one leg to spare. Abu Dhabi Ocean Racing, they had one leg to spare. Because the victory was so difficult for you and it was so close, is it even more special? For you, well, of course it is uh, because uh, because the fight was was so so amazing, and I, I'm very proud to have won a race in one design because it's only about the sailor and not only a, it's not only about the it's not about the boat. Quite. So so we and um, it's also special because because it was a Chinese team with a Chinese sailor on board. This this. This this team was really something special, and uh, I'm very proud of what we did with Bruno Dubois and all the guys together. We, we did two Volvo Ocean races together with Pascal and uh, Kevin and uh, a few of them, and um, we are still good friends. And uh, and I really like the the human side of this this team. So yeah, for me, of course, it's special because I was a skipper, but I. I think for everybody involved in team, it was uh, really something special that they will keep for their life because uh, because of what happened, but also because of the energy, of the spirit of this team. And uh, that what is fantastic is usually uh, when you do a Volvo Ocean race, you don't want to speak to the other guy for a few months. And uh, today <laughs> we, are, we, still, we still have the same uh, WhatsApp group, which we call Dongfeng Race Team Social. And this group is still active. Nobody left it. And we have news from everybody. When there is birthday, everybody say hello to the guy. Who... So it's, it's really special. And I think, yeah, I don't know when it's going to stop, but we still have the same name, amount of people on this group. And everybody is there, even Marcel Ventries, even <laughs> Stu Ballantyne, all these guys who could have imagined, okay, they have done so much Volvo, they, they will leave. And they stay. And I don't know why, but... I think for all these guys, it was a special moment, a special race. And of course, because we won, it was something incredible. So that will stay in our life for a long time. And for our kids, for our family also. Did you, did you know, did you even imagine that when you were first involved with Dongfeng Race Team two editions ago, did you think maybe... This team, maybe we could, we could win this race one day. Yeah, for, when I arrived in uh, China the first time and I discovered the Chinese sailor, Chinese sailor was no experience, didn't spend any, <laughs> any, any night offshore and were seasick. I say, well, last time I started, we won with Groupama. We started the race two years before. 
we had the best seller we could find everywhere in the world. And we struggled to win with the best boat. And now in six months, I have to be uh, on the starting line. And that's just impossible to do, to do an academy of selling and uh, racing in the same time with the best, against the best offshore seller. But then arrived the first leg and the second leg, and we were fast and we had good speed. And I realized that uh, the fact that it was in one design, uh, um, with all the French sellers who are involved in one design class in France, we, are, we have really a, a very good level of seller for that. And, uh, and I be, after one or two legs, I, I believe we could win uh, the first time. And uh, we need two times, but, uh, but, but uh, yeah, when we arrive on the second race, we have, no, we have the best condition to win except that we have to take some Chinese sailors sometimes on board uh, who have less experience than uh, a Peter Blake or uh, <laughs> a Peter Berling or Blair Tuck, for sure. Uh, but, um, yeah, we had, we had a but, very... I mean, the, the, I mean, I'm just thinking of those three Chinese sailors. I mean, Chen Jin Hao has gone on to do some really interesting sailing. Do you... Do you still stay in touch with those three sailors? And do you still feel, I mean, you, you must be impressed with how far they've come. Yeah, I've been impressed because when they joined the first time, they were only 21 years old. They have not enough, any experience, offshore experience in racing. So, I mean, this race is really tough. I mean, I... Most of the race I do now, for me, it's classic. Uh, I go for across the Atlantic. I go around the world with my big boat. It's, it's sometimes tough, but it's okay. But the Volvo is so long sometimes and so tough. And you push the boat so much, especially in one design. In, and you have lots of water on the deck. And, and the life is really crazy. And it's nine months of racing. It's too long. I mean, uh, every time I say this race is too long. <laughs> and this guy did it. They didn't do all the leg, but they did. <laughs> and I was thinking, when I was 21, would I, even if I have offshore experience, I'm not sure I would have done the, this race. It's too, it's really tough. So I, I'm impressed and they become good sellers and uh, we could trust them on board. They were not able to drive or trim the boat as well as the other one, but they were part of the team. And I mean, they were part of the winning team and they, they played the game cool, and they played very well. So I'm very proud. But for them now, uh, I think they are a bit lost because they were in the one of the best team you could dream. First, first time they're racing, they're already in the best and know what they're going to do. They, they struggle to know, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to do the race again? Are they going to, to do them projects themselves? One of them want, want to do single-handed race and come to France. But it's complicated for him to find sponsor and blah blah. And um, I'm not sure they will sell again at this level. Uh, I don't know. That's a bit sad, and it, because it's complicated to in China to sales. I mean, so I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, sometimes they speak to me, they ask me advice, and uh, and if I can help them to come to France and join some uh, single on the race, I will do it. But uh, yeah. I think for them it's not so easy because they are young. They have, the team is, does not exist anymore and they have not so much opportunity, actually. So hard work for them, but I'm sure the generation below them 
has already had their eyes widened. One thing I'm wondering is you, you mentioned how quickly they needed to learn about offshore sailing and oh, the, the safety, let alone how to go fast for nine months. But for you, did you have to learn about being a skipper? Because before uh, Dongfeng Race Team, you know, it was mainly solo, some double hand in the Transat Jacques Vard. But how much did you have to learn yourself? Well, I think I've learned a lot on the first race with Groupama because we had a, a very long project, a very high level with uh, lots of people in the team, people which were difficult to manage. So I've seen a lot and I have learned a lot. Then I try to do my own way. But I think what I did well is to have the good people around me. I mean, with Bruno Dubois, was a team manager, but was also with Pascal, with Kevin. I have this group of people that I could trust 100% to, to be always behind me. And when I was not, I did mistakes, they were always behind me. And I think all the team also was. So I think it, it, I, I was lucky to have all these people around me and it was easy for me to do the job. And I didn't have to find the money. I didn't have to manage the, the, the project, uh, the financial side i remember from jan walker what to manage everything you know me i told bruno okay i, I don't want to be involved in the spa i only want to be involved in the sport let's do like they can do in formula one or something else we are the pilots me i am the chief of the pilot and give me all to be the to do my job as well as 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 well as i can and uh, we will do it but uh, i don't want to be disturbed with politics, I don't want to disturb with financial, with sponsor. I will do my job as skipper for the media, for the for the sponsor, of course, but no business. My only business is to sail and sail faster than the old one. And that's why it was easier also. And, um, so, of course, I did mistake. I was sometimes very, I'm not very optimistic sometimes. And uh, I uh, I can be pissed off when I, I we are not uh, leading the, the race and uh, where I do when I do mistake I'm very I'm very hard with me but uh, people follow me uh, because I had the good people but maybe I hope that I did a good job <laughs> so sometimes with those good people did you when you were putting together your team did you try and pick the best jib trimmer, the best helm, the best sailor here, you know, just a group of really good sailors? Or did you try and see who would fit together like a complicated jigsaw? Yeah, I think it, for me, uh, it's difficult to know who are the best sailor or the best trimmer. I think some people, I think they are, I know the people coming from France, they are single-handed race racer I know they, they go fast I know they train fast so i know they are good for that but what i've seen from my first campaign with gopama where people were all good sailors but had different way of trimming the boat and sometimes they were not agree or they didn't listen to the other one or they were problem of ego and blah 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 they were not performing as well as they should do and I was 100% sure it was the key. And that's why Dongfeng Race Team uh, 
first race was was good because the team was working really together, respecting and listening, and everybody had idea and proposed idea, and we tried the idea, and and that was a success. And I tried to do it on the second time, keep this spirit, but I took some very strong seller from from New Zealand, like like uh, Dial Wislong, like Stu Ballantyne, uh, from everywhere in the world. I think if I'd done it the first time, it would not have worked because I would not have been as sure. I would not have been trust me enough to, to lead these people. But on the second time, they asked me to come. Uh, I, I, we spoke, but they wanted to come. And the first time I, I called them to come, they didn't want. Or they come and they left because they, they didn't think we could do it. But they, they have seen what we have done with Pascal, Kevin, and all the French guys together, and then they wanted to see uh, how we sell, what we have, uh, what was our secrets. And that was very interesting because uh, they were listening to us. And, I, and uh, when we were selling with Gopama, Frank is a fantastic seller and trimmer and driver, and, and he, he, he can design the best boat. Uh, but some guys were not listening to him because they thought he was not good. He was just a, a French guy doing from French race. And uh, he really struggled to to have it, that people follow the idea in design. He, he managed to do it, and uh, at the end we had the best boat, but uh, it was not easy for him. So that's what I wanted really a, a fantastic team spirit. I think if you have a ten uh, Ronaldo and ten Messi in a football team, you are not probably not the best team because people will want to put the goal instead of the other one, and then nobody will play together. So that was really the key for me. I think that anybody who's done this sport uh, long enough, um, you know, you only need to do sailing for a week to know that there is a lot of ego in all parts of sailing. Did you, were you happy with your team and the atmosphere from day one, or did you have to remind anybody Look, don't you know? Lose the ego, relax. This is this is the atmosphere I want. No, because I, it was clear since the beginning, and each time I call a guy, and I explain him why what I want, and uh, I knew Daryl Wislong a, a little bit. I knew what I think about him. I knew Caroline Bauer. I know these people, and I had a good feeling. Probably, uh, I don't think I. I made a mistake choosing my people. If I have to do it again, uh, I will probably choose the same people. And uh, some of them maybe won't, won't, don't want to come back, but uh, because of <laughs> or because of someone else. But yeah, so, so the, yeah, the most complicated relationship was with Pascal. But we because we are we know each other since a long time, and sometimes we are we can fight a lot and about decision. We don't agree. He has been skipper. For more time, long, longer time than me, and he's a fantastic skipper. And uh, sometimes we had some problem, or he wanted to do something else. And uh, but he, at the end, he always respect my choice, and he said, "You are the skipper," so it was good. And uh, even if when we fight, a few minutes after it was done, it was over. It was it was a second race together, so it yeah, it was a difficult, maybe more difficult relationship on the second one. But since the beginning, we knew it, and we speak about it with Pascal, and uh, we say, hey, do you really want to go back with me again? I, 
And we, he told me, the first time he told me, it's going to be more difficult than the first time. And he was right, but we managed to do it. And I think, uh, yeah, we are still friends, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some of the little solutions and some of the little secrets, because, of course, now the race is done. Uh, for the next edition, where the 65s will be sailing as one of the classes, the sails will be different, you know, little things will be different. So I'm trying to encourage you to be uh, happy about sharing some of your little secrets. So with the last two editions, I remember the first edition you did, 1415, with Dongfeng Race Team, there was all these discussions about whether you were putting in much more four-stay tension, pulling the mast forward. So many good rumours. What did you do on your 65? What did, what did you do that you go, you know, we did this, nobody else knew about it, it made us quick. Is there anything that you can tell me? Well, the first time, yeah, everybody said we put more tension, that's why we break the mast, because that's the way uh, a lot of people, Anglo-Saxon people, thinks but that's not the way we, 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 we trim the boat in France because we are very light boat, very, and they are not strong. So we, and the main difference, Donwin, uh, we, we were, I remember we found something, we were on the first leg and uh, we were with Abu Dhabi and uh, Brunel probably or something, someone like that. And we were sailing Donwin, we are not so fast. And uh, we, we say, okay, we have to change something. Let's try something else. And we just, is a bit the tack of the of the of the kite and trim a lot of the, lot of the main sails, put the best driver on, and then we start to go fast. And after we, I remember we had this mark for on the main sheet, which was really trim compared to the other one, and the mark on the tack to ease a lot the the luff. And we we always keep this mark, always go to the same mark, and each time we go on this mark, we were fast, <laughs> and that was one of the key. But and after, we, I think we had confidence and people were not confident. They tried many things. I know some of them tried to put the mass forward. We never do, do that. Uh, and we play also on the, a lot on the left tension of the sails and the, on the tack of the sails. That's what we did. And we had the good speed. And we, we had... Um, but it was not something really special and that people think a lot about uh, what we are doing, but we, we are not doing it. And... Uh, but on the, the, the biggest difference of speed was uh, actually on the second race, uh, we were the first one to play with a kill. And that was mm. something I was really pissed off because uh, nobody do it. Uh, why we do it? Because in France, we used to sell a lot on uh, Imoka boats and we have worked a lot with a designer and we knew that uh, at one stage, dropping the kill. And nobody did it on the, on the race before, only in strong condition, uh, in the south, but they didn't think it was faster or reaching, it was faster. And uh, the first, second leg, we passed everybody and um, uh, because we were last after a bad option and we passed everybody with a fantastic speed. And everybody said, well, we were stacking, cheating uh, and blah, blah, blah. We are just playing with a kill. And unfortunately, the race experts speak about that. And uh, so everybody did it at the, at the end. So we lost this big advantage. And one another one was, uh, oh, we trimmed the, the hot trigger. Uh, we were really, uh, especially with uh, the front cell, we were really good. For the small cell, we were going very, very 
outside very early. And, uh, and that's what we were fast, I think. Uh, and the same thing, there was a picture fast on the race expert when we passed Brunel uh, reaching and he was like half of the outrigger and we were max outside. So the guy are smart. They watch the video, they watch the picture. And uh, in two legs, we lost one of the two main advantage. But the, the main one was a kill. And that was really strange because we were, we were playing uh, with Mapfrey before the race. And we were doing turbo testing. And that's where we start to play how to set up the kill because how much you drop, that's, uh, that's uh, the key. And now everybody knows we have yeah. the kill. But how much we drop, so we were playing and the, and the Spanish were sometimes... So we had different sales sometimes and they were faster with the sales. Then we, we, we changed, so the sales were better. They had the better lane. We did some two-bot testing and say, okay, this is a good sales, but if we push the kill now, with the kill, we, we, we are going to go faster. And the, the Spanish were the lost, say, wow, they are faster with this sale. It's not possible. It was just about the kill. And I asked them if they knew, if, if they knew there was something we were doing, but they didn't think about the kill. And they just realized it after the leg two, I think. And that, if we, and I really, usually I don't care about secret. I'm not, about, uh, but uh, I say the kill, nobody speak about the kill. Nobody. I mean, if you go sitting on another boat with a counting kill, you don't speak about that. You don't do about, because I know some people were going to sail on the, on some boat with counting kill and say, you don't speak about that. You keep it for us until the end of the race. And unfortunately, we only managed to keep it until like two. <laughs> <laughs> and I was really pissed off against the race expert after the leg two, really. Because during the night, I called them and I said, don't watch at the number, don't, you know what's going, what's happening, speak, don't speak, and they did. I, I, I remember that moment. I, I remember, because obviously the race experts uh, and me and Conrad and everybody, we're, we're all sharing the same office. And of course, it's a group of people that love sailing, love talking about boats, so they do it. But of course, all of the teams as well, they do have their own race experts looking at the videos, looking at the photos. So um, I'm sure it would have been discovered at one point, but I can completely understand your frustration. Um, there's one other thing that you, that you mentioned, um, and it wasn't in the last edition, but you talked about the mast breaking in the 14th, 15th edition. And I just wonder um, for you as the skipper there with... Well, the Chinese sailors at that point, this is their first time around the, around the planet. For any skipper, we always talk about, oh, the performance, the speed, the speed. But of course, the safety and the responsibility. Um, with that moment, and you had those inexperienced people on board, at that point, inexperienced. Now, more experienced than me, of course. But did you think, oh, this is a responsibility? I don't want. No, not not really, because uh, we. I think what I've learned a lot on the World Ocean Race, on the first edition, and also, it's about safety. Because in France, we we are not very serious about that. We were not very serious about that when I started sitting, and on the Ocean Race, I realized, uh, yeah, that was a. Uh, we had to do it as very to be very professional and work on that, and we did it, and we have a very good 
safety course in England and, uh, and everybody, I think, feel responsible about his own safety and, uh, and we have everything on board. So I think the Volvo Ocean Race do a very good job about that. And um, yes, of course, I know it, it can happen. It, it has happened. But uh, each time the, it was really tough condition, it was like jacket mandatory and everybody was respecting it. So I was scared sometimes about someone I remember, on, for, for example, on the second edition, uh, uh, we did a mistake on a jibe and we had a fuck up after the jibe and Kevin had to go on the boat sprit and uh, it was dark night. It was a six to eight meters wave, 40 knots. And we were, we couldn't furl because uh, there was a problem on the furler. And Kevin had to go on the bow. Uh, wow, that was terrible because I know his kid, I know his family, and he was there, and he, and I couldn't see anything. And uh, well, that was a big stress at this moment. But when we are normally sitting, it was okay. Just one moment, I, I, I said, okay, we have to, to slow down. It's too dangerous for the team. We did it. We lost a few miles. Uh, probably uh, we lost uh, the opportunity to stay with Brunel on the. But at the end, I have no regret because we arrived with the boat in good shape and uh, at the Capo in the third position and we came back. So we could have pushed more, but uh, that was my decision and uh, I have no regret. With, with it coming so close at the end, um, when, you, when you looked at that final position report, like you said, six hours before you know, the finish, and you go, right, okay, we, you know, we are seven miles behind. We're going to lose. Oh, it's going to be really close. Was there anything in your mind that you thought back past the last nine months that you thought, oh, if I had just jibed 12 hours later on leg two, or if I had just gone to this sale on leg four, you know, is, was there anything that you're thinking, oh, no? It's funny because I... I just thought, if we don't win, I'm going to spend my summer, maybe my year, maybe my life to think about all these details. And I don't want that. So we have to win. <laughs> and yes, I, and at the end of the race, I say I was sad for Shabby or for the other one because I know that they are going, they, and they probably still do it. They think about all these mistakes they did. And me, I don't care. We did it, but we won. So <laughs> it's over. And that's the only thing I thought I remember I say, and I say, it's not possible. We can't lose. We did. I really had the feeling, even if the, all the team have said well, and Brunel did a fantastic comeback, that we were, I don't like to say that because I don't want it, losers say that we are not lucky. And uh, it's not, it was not, I say we are, yeah, we have not been lucky. I mean, we, 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 I think we had, I did some mistake, but we, bad choice, stupid mistake. And I kind of regret, but, we also have been very unlucky compared to the race before, where I would should say I will say we have been lucky, and I, I say we don't deserve that, and we have to win. So, and uh, I stay focused until the like, end of the race, and, and when I finish, I remember I, I'm not going to spend my life to think about this job I did wrong or blah blah blah. And where well, we could have done a better. I, I could say, because I like to do better, so I could say, well, I would have preferred to win more leg and be the, the big leader. At, but at the end, 
when you see what happened and the story of his race, it, it just, it's this, this win is magic because of what happened on the last leg, I think. So no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I, good. And I won't ask you to try and come up with some then. Um, when you did cross the finish line, you know, you mentioned Shabby and um, uh, Bowie and everything. We obviously, we see you in the press conferences. Uh, we see Shabby, we see everybody and you you say a nice few words about the other teams. But when the cameras are off, there's no microphone and it's just you, one sailor, another sailor. Do you do you have a friendship with Shabby Fernandez, Bauer Becking? You know, can you sort of, um, is there something that we don't get to see from the camera? Well, I have lots of respect for them, and I, I like them. I don't know very well uh, Bo and uh, Shabby. I'm, I, I spend more time with Shabby, and uh, Shabby came to France to do some double handed race, and we have been racing against him since a long time in uh, double handed and uh, Imoca. So, and, and uh, because they are Spanish, probably we have the same culture. More, we are closer than. Both and uh, yeah, sometimes I take some news about him, but no, I I was just not comfortable because uh, yeah, uh, you know uh, he's a fantastic seller. I, uh, I uh, Shabby for me uh, Olympic medals for me the Olympics is the top of the top, and I have a uh, big respect and um, I'm proud to have this guy. But I was also really sad for him because I know much energy and uh, also for Bo, I mean, I was thinking about it, he did seven or eight, right? And each time so close to win and never win. And, but he looks happy. So uh, <laughs> I think at the end of the race, even if you don't win, you are happy to finish. That's a good thing with the Volvo. <laughs> even if you don't win, you are happy to finish because it's so tough sometimes. But uh, I've, I'm pretty sure he's thinking a lot about the jibe, like you say, or the, the tack, or the wrong tack, or the blah, blah, blah. He did wrong, and we could have won. But, um, yeah, that's that's selling. It's part of selling. And you've grown up in sailing. Um, and I wonder for someone like yourself, and if I've got this right, your first love, really, was offshore, solo, sailing across the oceans, adventure. Um, for someone that must have grown up looking at the amazing people like Sir Peter Blake going and doing these amazing races, what's it like now to have their names and your name on the same trophy? At the beginning of the race, I, I was coming to win for sure. But when I I didn't want to watch the trophy because I say my name cannot be under this name. That's not possible. The only thing good for me was to see Frank Hamas because he's my friend since 20 years. So I say, okay, my friend is there. I want to be there. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was something special. And uh, and I didn't want to think about it because it's, it's good. I was sure. Oh, no, it's not possible. That's a Volvo Ocean race. Uh, uh, for me, this is the top of the sailor. This is a... Uh, and probably my name can be on it. And um, so that, that was a big pressure I have on my shoulder. I think I can't put, my name will no, never be there. And now it's there. I didn't see the trophy since. I, <laughs> I, I, actually, I, I think I've never seen the trophy with my name on it because I, 
that was not my name when I received it. But I had something incredible, and of course, yes, something I, I, I'm very proud. And uh, and uh, my life was not supposed to go there, as you say. My life was supposed to go on the Vendée Globe, like many French guys, and uh, and it has been the most important part of my sailing career now, the Volvo Ocean Race, and uh, and happy to close it now. Uh, with my name on it, and uh, but I, I want to go back to my first love, which is single on it. And I'm a very, I, f- I always see I'm very lucky because uh, my name is there, and I think you need to be a good seller, but you need also to be lucky because you can be the best seller if you don't have a project like Dong Fung Race Team, you you will never win this race. And now my my name is on a big boat, and uh, I'm a, a luck, the lucky skipper with Frank uh, of the. For me, what I consider as to be the best board of the world. I mean, I'm in, I'm in a Ferrari team, quoi. In Formula One Ferrari team, I'm on a, this boat is magic, and uh, and soon I will be alone uh, around the world, and that's my big challenge, and that's where I always wanted to be. That's my child dream. I mean, to be single on the on the multi-hull. I never imagined it would be on a, a big multi-hull one other foot. My dream was on the on a 60, 60 foot, but today it's in France, it's 100, and uh, that's a big challenge and probably the biggest challenge of my life after the Volvo Ocean Race. And uh, I hope I will succeed, but uh, yeah, I just think I'm lucky. And every time I say, well, I'm there now, and do I deserve do I no, yes or no? Because I sailing is very special. I mean, you can be very good and you can for sometimes never play the game. I mean, if you are a good tennis man, you go, you go and you play, and if you beat everybody, you finish and you win. But if you are a good uh, seller, if you don't have the, the good sponsors, the good project, you cannot achieve your dream. And that's sometimes very unfair. So I consider me as lucky. And, uh, and usually when you are lucky, you are more and more lucky because you have a nice project, then you can do some nice thing and people trust you and then people call you for the next project so but you need a bit of chance and uh, my chance come a bit late because as you say i become only skipper at 40 and i remember when i start selling i was 20 24 start to be a professional and one of the f- famous french seller was alain gautier was winning the the vendee globe when i was uh, when i decided to become a seller so i was probably 18 or and he won the Vendée Globe at 30. And I say, wow, this guy is really old. I want to win before. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to wait for to be 40 to have this keeper and win a big race, like the World Ocean Race. And uh, I probably, if I do the Vendée Globe, I will be 50. And uh, so, yeah. So uh, it came late, but, uh, but I had this opportunity. And... Thank you to all the people who trust me, like uh, Bruno Dubois, like uh, Mark Turner, all these guys who give me my chance, like um, uh, Knut Foster, because uh, this project, he also accepted me to come as skipper. And uh, yes, I'm lucky. Well, Charles, thank you very much for talking to me tonight. And it sounds like fans of yours have got another project to cheer you on. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you on the start line soon. Okay, thank you very much.